Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Why is it that I get to have all the fun around here? I tell you, I've got such a great show planned for today. I'm so excited to have Pastor Robert Morgan join me on the program for the full hour. His new book is out, and I'm excited to talk to him about the Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. He's written a whole bunch of books. I have many of them, and I love them all. Worry Less, Live More. It's another book uh, by Robert that I I love. The Red Sea Rules. I probably have bought 20 copies of that and given it to friends. 100 Bible Verses Everyone Should Know by Heart. That is also in the Bill Arnold Library, which I'm excited to say I open regularly. Uh, But most of all, I love Robert Morgan's heart. He is a, a, a passionate man and loves the Lord. And he grew up uh, singing, Savior, like a shepherd, lead me. And he said, no biblical truth has sustained my spirits more than the insurance of God's guidance. We're going to talk about that today with him. He's joining me on the program right now. Robert, welcome. Thank you, Bill. It's such a pleasure always to talk with you. Well, you know, I'm holding in my hand my copy of the Jordan River Rules, which has been personalized by you and signed. And I, it's already a dear possession of mine. So thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're uh, you're at the top of the list. Oh, you're so just because my last name starts with A. <laughs> <laughs> I busted you on that one, Robert. <laughs> well, you're Mr. Creativity. It's always a joy to talk with you, and and my conversations with you are always refreshing to me. Well, you're so nice to say that, and I appreciate that very much. And I'm excited to talk about this because I've not every book I get sent to the station do I get a chance to read in its entirety, and oftentimes I get started and I lose interest. Uh, not the case with this one. I went cover to cover because I knew I'd love it, and I did. Well, I'm, I'm so glad. This is the follow-up to a book that I wrote 20 years ago called The Red Sea Rules. Right. And it's taken me 20 years to uh, <laughs> to do a follow-up with it. It had to be the right, you know, it's all in the Lord's timing. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of helping, you know, people sell their books because I want to give authors a platform. I want to let them discuss their work. And then I'm going to encourage my listeners to uh, consider for themselves whether or not they want to download the first chapter if they want to do that on Amazon. But in this case, I want to say right up front, I love this book. And I, I've already bought bought it and given it to a friend. And I'm encouraging our little Bible study to go through this book. And I, I, I love it because it's it's 10 God-given strategies for moving forward. And just the way God uh, parted the Jordan River for Israel, he will show you the way forward too. And I think it's a timely book, very encouraging. All right, Robert, I'm done gushing. Is that okay? Oh, well, <laughs> yes. Yes, that's, that's enough gushing, but I appreciate every <laughs> word of it. <laughs> All right. Okay, you got my attention right away in the book when you said God leads us in stages. He uh, it leads us in steps, in stages, and in person. And right away I thought, I want to know everything about that. Well, it came as a surprise to me, um, Bill, and I was discovering this as my wife Katrina was in the last stages of her battle with 
multiple sclerosis. But I was reading one day in the book of Numbers, and in chapter 33, the Lord told Moses, write down all of the stages through which I have led you and the stages through which I've led the Israelites. And so after they left the Red Sea, people who are familiar with the Old Testament story know that they went from stage to stage. And then when Moses died, and they started under Joshua to go into the possession of the promised land, that was a new stage for them. And I'd never thought about the fact that God leads us in stages, but our lives are in stages. So for me, I was at home you know, in the same town, in the same bed for 16, 17 years, and then I left for college. That was a new stage. <laughs> yeah. And then I got married. That was a new stage. And then when my wife passed away, that was a new stage. Mm-hmm. So some of the people listening to us are, they're facing a new stage in life. It may be a new job. It may be a relocation. It might be a, uh, a being, becoming a new parent, or it might be a, the breakdown of a relationship. But but we're always going through stages in life, but the Lord leads us in stages. And here's what I believe. I don't want to take too much time here, Bill, but I really believe that in the goodness of God, every stage is somehow better than the previous one, and that all of the stages in the past have prepared us for the one we're about to go into. Mm, That's solid wisdom, Robert. Thank you so much for that. Let's talk a little bit about the steps in Joshua chapter 1, verse 3. It says, I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Isn't that interesting that he would talk about those footsteps? Yes. So here was the promised land. God had promised it to Abraham. It was that great land that today we call the land of Israel. And it was theirs, but they had to go step by step into it. And as soon as their foot set down on a spot that belong to them. And that's the way it is for us with the future. You know, the, the God has a promised land for us, and it's called the rest of your life. It's called the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we have—he leads us in stages, but we take it a day at a time, a step at a time, a moment at a time, trusting Him. And what I say in the book is that we have to go in a step at a time, but we need to make sure that every time our foot falls upon the next step— it lands on a promise because it is the promised land, and we are simply claiming the future that God has promised and has prepared for us. Robert, I want to move back just a little bit to stages because I just had something pop into my head. Because I've, I've always sort of thought of the stages, and in my head, I've thought, you know, you are you have punctuation marks in life. You know, you you graduate from college. That's a, a punctuation mark. And then you move on. You have all these little stages in life or punctuation marks, as I like to think of them. But I'm wondering, too, when you've gone through stages and you know that you are going to be move, moving forward, is there a process that you personally go through to think, well, I've got to mourn the loss of what I'm leaving and moving on forward? Um, I know it's kind of a vague question, but... I, I think of your incredible mourning that you're still going through over lo- over the loss of Katrina. But when you leave something possibly that was comfortable and you knew and you move forward as God is moving you forward, there's always the chance that there's some work that has to be done in order to move forward. There certainly is. And in this book, I say that going into a new stage involves mourning and mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G and M-O-R-N-I-N-G. 
there's always a sorrow uh, when a chapter comes to an end, and there ought to be. I mean, uh, well, sometimes if it's a bad chapter, you're glad when it comes to an end, but it still requires an adjustment. But, uh, it, you know, I, I wept when I left home to go to college. Um, I cried when I took my own girls to college and drop them <laughs> off. Uh, there's, a, there's a sadness that comes yeah. to transitions in life. But there's also an excitement about the future. And my friend David Jeremiah says that when you drive your car, the rearview mirror is very small, but the windshield is very large because we glance in the rearview mirror, but we focus on the road ahead. And I think that's what Paul meant when he said in Philippians chapter 3, Forgetting what lies behind, I press on towards what is ahead, the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We've got to make up our minds. We're going to move forward. Now, the Israelites went around in circles for too long, and a lot of people just get stalled in life. There may be some people listening to us right now that need to press on and take the next steps in life and make some progress and accelerate a little bit and go into the next stage in in life, but for whatever reason, they're sort of stalled. And at some point, we have to make up our mind, God has a future for me. He's got a plan for me. Every day is recorded in his book, and I'm going to go full steam ahead in his will and by his grace. Mm-hmm. Robert, if you're stuck, though, it's an awfully hard place to be. So what the words you just gave are very encouraging, very affirming. Thank you so much for that. Well, we have to make up our minds to to do that. Uh, you know, when, when Katrina passed away, uh, there was quite a story around how how she went to heaven that, that I'll not take time to go into. But it gave me a sense of peace that our times are in God's hands. And I, I miss her very, very much. Uh, but I know that she wouldn't want for me to just uh, walk around the house wringing my hands all the time. Uh, The Lord took her to heaven first, and he'll take me in his timing. But between now and then, I've adopted a new verse. It's um, along the lines we're talking about, but it's in the book of Acts chapter 20. Paul said, life is worthless to me unless I use it for finishing the work Jesus Christ has assigned to me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm just determined to finish, to, to carry on, and then hopefully to finish the work that God has given to me. He has work for every one of us to do, every single person. Robert, I just hear how alive your love for Katrina is in your heart today. It's just so beautiful. Well, I have pictures of her all over the house, but they don't make me sad. I look at them, and, and, you know, I I look back with thankfulness and gratitude. Um, We were able to travel a great deal, and, and we labored together for the Lord And then when she was um, just about gone, I whispered in her ear, I said, uh, just go on to sleep. And when you wake up in the morning, and and I do, we'll take a walk along the Crystal River. And I made a date with her. You know, that's very real to me, this uh, scene in Revelation chapter 22 with the Crystal River flowing through the celestial city from the throne of God. And so I just look forward to the time that we'll be uh, together again. That's the glorious hope, as the Bible puts it. But until then, uh, she is in a better place. I'm down in this uh, wicked world, but I've got to go forward and finish the work that God has given me. And that's the attitude that I think all of us need to have. Sometimes we have to make up our minds to do it, and we can only do it by God's enabling. But 
that's the way that we need to go forward. I hope this Crystal Riverwalk is filled with uh, ice cream shops and good coffee shops along the way. That'd be kind of nice. <laughs> I think maybe some espresso. Huh? Oh, that'd be nice. I- I'm all in favor of that. <laughs> Robert Morgan is my guest. His book is called The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. It's a smaller book, and it's the kind of book you uh, can throw in your backpack or purse or pocket, and you can have it with you, and you can go through it and spend time with it and be encouraged by it. This is a great book. I love it. I'll take a short break and be right back with Robert Morgan in just a minute. So glad to have Robert Morgan on today. His book is The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. We haven't even gotten out of the first chapter yet because God leads us in stages, God leads us in steps, and God leads us in person. Boy, I love that part. In Joshua 1.5, it says, I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Before we move on, Robert, I'd love for you to comment on how God leads us in person. Well, that's a wonderful promise. The first nine verses of Joshua chapter 1 are written or given to Joshua from God, and it's the greatest motivational leadership (laughs) uh, message, I think, in all of the Bible. And right in the middle of it, the Lord said, I will be with you, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, those words, I went through the Bible and found them, I will never leave you or forsake you. Those are about a dozen times given to us in the Bible. And in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, it is applied specifically to us. And in the Greek, because Hebrews, the book of Hebrews near the end of the Bible was originally written in the Greek, there is a double negative and a triple negative. So literally, what it says is, never, never will I leave you. Never, never, never will I forsake you. (laughs) And we can take this you know, those of us who are followers of Christ can take this very much to heart. The Lord will never leave us. Uh, he will never abandon us. He will never forsake us. We're, we're never going to be at a moment when we don't have constant access to His abundant grace or to fellowship with Him. Whenever we pray, instantly He hears. Whenever we open the Bible, instantly He speaks. Whenever we look over and speak to Him like we would speak to a friend, He is there very attentive. We have constant, unbroken, abiding access to His presence, and that's tremendously encouraging as we go forward. Mm, I agree. All right, let's move to rule number two, and this one we could spend the rest of the hour with because you. rule number two is say no to discouragement and yes to strength. You did this lovely job of compiling about 30 uh, different uh, scriptures on strength, so there's one for just about every month, and That alone is, uh, the organization on this chapter is just outstanding. Well, thank you. Yes, this is when the Lord is continuing to speak to Joshua as he takes over the leadership of Israel. And the Lord says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong. I am with you wherever you go. And so I went through the Bible. Sometimes I get intrigued with the particular phrase in the Bible. And so the phrase, be strong, those two words, 
be strong occur 30 times in the Bible, which is virtually one day for every day, one time for every day of the month. And, um, and it's telling us that the Lord wants us to make up our minds we're going to, to be stronger than we are. Now, we can only be strong in his strength. We can only be strong as he strengthens us. Mm -hmm. It says in Ephesians 3 that we should pray to be strengthened in our inner being. But we've got to make up our minds, too, that we're going to be strong. I just have to tell myself sometimes, you've got to be strong. And when my wife was passing away, it was very hard. I said to myself uh, as a prayer, I said, I've got to be strong in the Lord for her and for the rest of my family. Uh, it's not an artificial thing. It's just a matter that life is pretty tough. We cannot roll over. We cannot be intimidated. We cannot let the devil buffalo us. We cannot let the society stare us down. We've got to stand upon our feet and be strong in the strength that Jesus gives us. Mm -hmm. Robert J. Morgan is my guest. The Jordan River Rules is the book we're chatting about. And I always want to be led by where the Holy Spirit might be taking us in this conversation today. And I just got a, a message from someone saying, would you have him share a little bit more about his wife's MS as I'm fighting it myself? Um, so I'd, I'd appreciate if you share a little bit about Katrina's uh, journey. Certainly. Um, well, we all have different things that go wrong with us, and so many people have had uh, problems and, and tragedies with COVID. With my wife, it happened to be multiple sclerosis. She was diagnosed about 25 um years before she passed away. And back when she was diagnosed, there were not all of the medications uh, for the relapsing, remitting, the early forms of, of MS that there are now. Um, there were some. And so we uh, had very good neurologists and doctors. We followed their advice. But we also knew that, uh, uh, the, you know, that the progression of this disease very often uh, is long-term, but it's it's somewhat debilitating. So we just took it a day at a time. We never looked ahead uh, with with um, with frightening speculations. She and I just decided none of us knows the future. None of us may be alive tomorrow. Uh, let's not project uh, worst-case scenarios. We'll just take it a day at a time. And we did that, and she was ambulatory for many years. She went to a cane, and then she went to a walker, and eventually she went to a wheelchair. And in the last uh, few years, she was, you know, I would lift her out of the wheelchair and into the bed. And, and you know, but we still stayed cheerful, and she would mm -hmm. uh, would did things together. And then, um, then she began having um, infections that eventually just took over her her body. I thought that she had had a stroke about a month before she died. I rushed her to the emergency room. I had the ambulance do it. And uh, they told me they didn't think that she would live. And her uh, breathing got more and more shallow. She lost consciousness. And I said to the doctor at Vanderbilt Medical Center, I said, would you mind if we prayed? My daughters were there with me. They'd come in very quickly. And he said, no, and would you mind if I led you in prayer? Mm. And he led us in the most wonderful prayer. Christian doctors can have a tremendous uh, ministry. Yes. And, uh, and, you know, in a few minutes, she opened her eyes, smiled, and we had another month with her. Um, and the Lord just, in, in some marvelous way, gave us that extra month of grace. And so some of, you know, I, I don't have, I, I tell more about it in, in the Jordan River Rules, but but our times are in God's hands, and, 
and we should have peace and trust them. I think we should get all of the medical care that we can. But sooner or later, all of us are going to get something wrong with us. And we just uh, claim that verse in Second Corinthians 4 that says, outwardly, we are wasting away, but inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. I just love that. And thank you for taking the time to share that. I want to go back to the rule number two, which is say no to discouragement, discouragement and yes to strength. You also say, it also says in Joshua 1, 6, and 9, uh, be strong and courageous, uh, do not be afraid. How do you not be afraid, especially when you feel afraid? Well, I'm, you know, that's a very good question because I'm uh, easily frightened. I panic a lot. Uh, you know, the reason that I wrote uh, Live More, Worry Less or worry less, live more, whatever the hell of it is, is because of my tendency towards anxiety. But, you know, here again, Bill, Bible study has helped me more than anything. I've gone through the Bible looking at the times the Bible says, fear not, or don't be afraid. Uh, The Apostle Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound thinking. And I've memorized some of those passages I memorized Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though uh, the earth slides away. Uh, You know, these passages help me a great deal. And one of our biggest problems, and it's related to fear, is discouragement. But here again, I went through the Bible and looked up every time that the word discourage or discouragement or discouraged occurs in the Bible, and there was not a single time when discouragement was commended or recommended to us. We're always told not to be discouraged. Um, the Bible discourages discouragement. <laughs> and, and I think the reason is because God knows what he's doing. He's got a plan, and the circumstances that may discourage us are simply his way of working all things together for our good. So we learn to trust him and press right on and, and be cheerful. Robert, in that section you talk about uh, discouragement, you have uh, three R's, resignation, recalibration, and recalculation. And I would love for you to touch uh, briefly on all three of these. However, we're coming up against a break, which means we need to uh, uh, take a quick 90 seconds away. And I just want to let listeners know that uh, Robert's book is called The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. And the same God who led you out will lead you on. And it's a wonderful book. And we're uh, chatting with Robert J. Morgan. If you go to his website, you can see all of the books that he's written at robertjmorgan.com. And if you have any questions or anything you'd like clarified from what you've heard so far, know that you're always welcome uh, to participate in the in the uh, discussion we're having with uh, Robert. And it's 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four again eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. This lovely little book I have in my hand is called The Jordan River Rules. We'll be right back.
Last left off with you, we were talking to Robert uh, Morgan, who's written a book called The Jordan River Rules, and we were talking about do not be discouraged. And he did a nice job of giving us three uh, descriptions called resignation, recalibration, and recalculation. And I'd love to hear a little bit about each. Well, yes. Whenever we're discouraged, it's because something that we want is not happening. And it could be something huge or it could be something small. But it brings discouragement, and I have felt and dealt with that in my own life many, many times. And I've learned the first step is just resignation. I mean, I have to give it up. I have to say, Lord, I'm going to surrender this to you. Maybe what I want is not what you want. Uh, Maybe what I want is not in your perfect will. And I often think of two or three Bible verses. One is when Jesus said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then Esther says, if I perish, I perish. Um, I'm going to do the best I can, and I'm just going to give it to the Lord. And if I die in the process, I do so. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. And there comes a time when we just have to say, Lord, my very life is in your hands, everything about it. If you want to take me to heaven, you can do so. I'm going to surrender it to you in this aspiration. I'm giving to you. And then you have to recalibrate and expect that God is going to take you from that point to a much better place. And he's going to, as I say here, turn blessings and setbacks, blows into blessings and setbacks into comebacks. He's going to be able to use that area of surrender to bring you to a much greater place than you could have imagined. And then what do you have to do? Well, you count your blessings and add up your gains, and that's recalculation. You begin to look in any given situation at the things you can be thankful for. And you say, Lord, I've given this up to you. I'm going to see now what you're going to do. And in the process, I'm going to seize on the positive and be thankful for the blessings that I can see in any given situation. And to me, that is the process by which we go from discouragement to encouragement. Mm -hmm. It sounds like that leaves your heart more full as well. It's not an easy process, but right. there's no there's no getting around it, Bill. I'm right. sure I'm sure you've experienced that too. Of course, uh, this is this is the way that that God works uh, with our hearts and with our souls. Okay, Robert, I want to jump to rule number seven: trust God to turn problems into pathways. This is the story now of the Israelites, uh, Israelites actually coming to the Jordan River. So the story is that um, when Israel was trapped in Egypt. Moses led them out. They came to the Red Sea. They were trapped there. And as I tell in my book, The Red Sea Rules, God parted the waters, and they were able to go through on dry land and into the wilderness, out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And then 40 years later, they had wandered through the wilderness. They came right to the edge of the Promised Land, but the boundary was the Jordan River. They were on the east side of the Jordan River. And this river, now if you go to Israel today, um, I'm sure that many people will remember this. The Jordan River is relatively small. It's surprisingly small. But that's because so much water is being diverted for irrigation. Just 100 years ago, uh, and certainly in biblical times, it was a huge river. 
and they got there at flood time, at flood stage. So the annual floods had swollen it into an enormous river, and there was no way the Israelites could get kid across that river. And the Lord duplicated his Red Sea miracle. And this is what a lot of people don't realize. The Lord not only parted the waters of the Red Sea to let the Israelites enter the wilderness, but he parted the waters of the Jordan River to let them out of the wilderness and into the promised land. He reminded them of the great miracle that he had done for them 40 years before. And in the same way, we come across barriers in life. The river is bigger than we can afford. We don't always know what to do but the Lord knows how to turn those problems into pathways. He can part rivers for us, too. Robert, don't you love the order that God has? It's amazing, the symmetry of Scripture. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not just this way with uh, with the Israelites and, and the parted waters that book-ended their journeys. Whenever I study the Bible— I can compare the first two chapters of Genesis with the last two chapters of Revelation, and everything comes full circle. It is though a master author created a book that is so interlocking, not even the greatest novel can compare with the plot of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're a writer, and, and, and you know what that's like. And when you see those things in Scripture, you cannot help but believe in the superintendence of God. Robert, I love in the book you say, do you have any rivers you think are uncrossable? And you say, ask God to turn your problems into pathways and trust him to part the waters as you press forward into the future. And I want to say those are powerful words for so many people driving home from work today or at home getting ready for something, listening to the show. They know what's on their plate. They know what's in front of them. They know the troubles or the challenges they have. These are very strong words. The Lord will make a way for us. And I know that people have all kinds of problems right now. Every one of us right now can name some problem in our life. And for some people listening, the problem is something that is pulling down on their hearts. And the Lord alone can resolve these problems. There are some things that we just cannot do. We cannot do the impossible. I used to think that given enough time, I could solve every problem. You know, my (laughs) parents told me where there's a will, there's a way. Mm And I came to a point of recognizing that there are some problems I just have to give to the Lord and trust Him and pray and wait and let Him make a way. So prompts my next question, Robert. What if the, what if the water or the river doesn't part? Because the Lord knows exactly. He has information about our lives that we don't have, and He knows what's best. And He'll work all things out for the good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Yes, that's a very interesting question, because for the Israelites here, it's as though an invisible glass dam just came across that swollen river, and the waters heaped up to the north and bled down to the south, and they crossed over dry shod. But what if we get to the right of the edge of the river, and it doesn't part, and we have to try to ford it or to swim across? And so there is another verse, Bill. It is Isaiah chapter 43. The Lord said, I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and the rivers will not overwhelm you. Wow. There are times when I just have to hang on to that verse and let it pull me through the water. Especially if you've fallen into the river and you're you're paddling as fast as you can. That's a great verse to have memorized, isn't it? It sure is. There's been so many people who have... uh, 
clung to that verse. I tell some stories in the book about uh, one lady, for example, who that verse was a magnet on her refrigerator. And when she was diagnosed with cancer, suddenly that verse became her lifeline, and it got her through that time. So Isaiah 43, you know, the 40s of Isaiah, um, from Isaiah 40 to 41, uh, to 49, uh, those are, I go to those chapters a lot, Bill. They're just rich, full of promises, and uh, and that's where this one is found. Mm-hmm. All right, I just spun the wheel, and I landed on rule number five. So rule, <laughs> rule, I'm doing this randomly, Robert, just so That's you know. All right. Yeah. Rule number five says, expect God to guide you where you've never been before. Boy, do I love that. Well, and that comes right from the scripture. So the, um, uh, this great general Joshua got in front of his nation. You know, he took over when Moses died and he told the people to follow the Ark of the Covenant this legendary, fabled, marvelous chest that, you know, has been the subject of so many movies. It represented the power and the presence of God among the people. And he said, the priests will go ahead of you bearing the Ark of the Covenant. And this is a direct quote from Joshua 3, verses 3 and 4. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priest, you are to break camp and follow it, for you haven't traveled this way before. And what a phrase that is. There's something poetic about it. You haven't traveled this way before. And that's true for everybody who's relocating to a new city. It's true for every kid that's going off to college right now. True for every graduate from middle school going into high school. True for every groom who's about to say, I do, with his new bride. You know, and so many times in life, we haven't gone this way before. But the Lord knows the way. He knows the steps. And we have to follow him closely, just like those Israelites followed the Ark of the Covenant, because he knows the way he takes, and we can go with him. All right, Robert, I appreciate that. I'm going to now mention something from your book, and you connect the dots as to what rule it is, okay? (laughs) I will do my best. (laughs) Because I, uh, I read this a while ago when I got it. And now I refreshed my memory again this morning, but there was something you talk about, a three-day rest. Well, yes, this is, um, um, I think this is uh, prepared today for tomorrow's wonders, which is rule number six. Yes. I'm not exactly uh, for sure which rule that is, but uh, but it's I'll tell you which one it passage. is. Okay. Prepare today for tomorrow's wonders. Well, good. Uh, They were to uh, rest and prepare for three days. And so here again, Bill, I have this funny habit of going through the Bible and looking for phrases. But over and over and over again, I found where people for three days would rest or wait or tarry or pray. Uh, When Ezra made his great journey to uh, uh, Israel in the book of Ezra, he... uh, rested three days after we got there. When Nehemiah made a similar journey, he rested three days. The Apostle Paul would uh, pray and think three days about things. Um, I have a friend, Robertson McQuilkin, president of Columbia International University for many years. This was his regular routine. When he had to make a decision, he would give himself three days. And of course, there is that ultimate three-day period between Jesus, between his death and resurrection. So I don't think there's anything really magical about three days, but I think very often in our lives, 
when we are fatigued or when we have to make a decision. It may be a good time to look at our calendars and say, I need three days here to sort of get recalibrated, to get restored, to get guidance. And if so, then there is some biblical basis for that habit. Robert, I'm going to start a new grassroots movement, and I'm going to cut you in on the foundation of this, just so you get a cut of this. I am going to start a grassroots movement for a three-day weekend every week. I like that idea. Um, you know, I think some um, some nations in Europe already do that. I think they do, but, too. Uh, but I just recently took a break. Now, it's hard for me to, uh, to take weekends off, but uh, I took a break and took my grandson to the beach, and we were there three days. And when I came back, and we, we flew, and, uh, um, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't a hard trip. Uh, it was a direct flight. So we just uh, flew there direct from Nashville to Myrtle Beach, took an Uber to a little place, hung out for three days, and flew back. But I felt like a new man when I got back. I so I think, I think sometimes, now, if you go off for three days and you wear yourself out trying to do everything or ride every ride or, or drive long distances, you know, I wouldn't recommend that, but sometimes we do need, even if it's a, a tent in the woods, a good three-day weekend. I appreciate that uh, wisdom. That's good counsel. Robert J. Morgan is my guest. His book is The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. I can't recommend this little book enough. Take a little break, and we'll come back and talk a few more rules with Robert Morgan. Be right back. wants you to move forward. The same God that led you out will lead you on. That is the subtitle of the Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. My, ho- my guest is Robert Morgan. And I'm thinking of this great passage, uh, Robert, in Joshua chapter 4, where Joshua set up the stones. So in the future, when your children ask their fathers, what is the meaning of these stones? You should tell your children, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, and how important it is to build a monument. Bill, this is so amazing to me. The entire fourth chapter of Joshua is devoted to the process of these strong men getting the stones out of the bed of the Jordan River, taking them over to the other side and building a monument so that future generations would remember what had happened there. And we're living at a particular time now when all of the monuments are being torn down. And I don't necessarily mean just the controversial ones. I mean, even things like hymnody in our worship services and the traditions uh, uh, of our, our churches that have come along for for you know, two thousand years, and and the memories of of the role of the Bible in American history, um, the the fact that George Washington kissed the Bible at his inauguration. I mean, all of these things are being forgotten, and so our nation needs 
biblical monuments about our heritage, and each one of us needs to find a way of leaving a testimony behind. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned several um, possible ways of doing this in the book, but I think it's important to, as it says in in 1 Samuel, to build an Ebenezer. All right. I would love to ask you about uh, the Jordan River rule number nine. You're not in charge, but remember who is. I love this story. When uh, after the Israelites had crossed the Jordan River, suddenly they had another big problem, and that was the city of Jericho. It was a significant city, and it was walled up and highly uh, defendable by the inhabitants, and it was right in the pathway leading through the Wadi Kelt up into the highlands where the Israelites needed to go. And there was Joshua, I think, had no idea how to conquer this city. So after they had crossed the Jordan River, he was wandering around, strategizing, trying to develop. A, he was uh, doing some reconnoitering, and he looked up, and there in front of him was a warrior with a drawn sword. And Joshua said, are you for us or for our enemies? And the man said, neither one. I'm the captain of the hosts of the Lord. Take <laughs> off your shoes because this is holy ground. Wow. And I believe it was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. It wow. was God himself uh, there. And uh, Joshua removed his shoes and, and worshiped. And the Lord then said to him, here is how we're going to do it, and gave him this remarkable plan for marching around the city of Jericho uh, every day for seven days. And it reminds us that we are not in charge. We cannot always bring down the cities. We cannot always pull down the strongholds. But we know who is in charge. I'm I'm not in charge of my own life. I can make a few decisions, but there's so many things out of my control. But there is nothing outside of the control in my life or your life or the lives of any of those listening to us, nothing outside of the control of the sovereign captain of the Lord's hosts. Robert, when I think of marching around a city seven times, what an, what an odd thing. Yes, it's very odd. And I used to think that was the oddest battle strategy ever devised. <laughs> and then I began to look at other times when the Lord did something similar. Yeah. He beat the entire Philistine army with the slingshot of one shepherd boy. And, of course, the great story in the Bible about Gideon who had a vast army, but the Lord pared it down to 300 men with torches. And so the Lord is in the process of giving us victories in a way that will gain the glory for himself. We'll just look up and say, Lord, I did my best, but this wasn't me. You're the one that gave me the breakthrough in this. And so the Israelites, all they had to do was to march around the city one time, every uh, day for six days, and then seven times on the seventh day. And then they shouted the victory, and those invisible forces in the spiritual realms, the angelic forces, pulled down the walls of that city, and the Israelites had victory. But it was given by God in a way that no one could question. Mm -hmm. Robert, were you uh, friends with Warren Wiersbe? I had talked to Warren Wiersbe a few times. I was not very close to him. I mm-hmm. wish I had been. I'm a great student and admirer of his. Yeah, I am too. You, you have one of his quotes in your book, which I love. Unbelief says, let's go back to where it's safe, but faith says, let's go forward to where God is working. Well, we have to um, be willing to go forward, and that's the whole theme of this book. Um, 
Bill. It's just that if we're going to go around in circles, we're not going to accomplish very much. There comes a time when we have to say, the Lord has another stage in life ready for me, maybe to get married, maybe to graduate, maybe to be a parent, maybe to get through this difficult divorce and get to a better point in my life, um, whatever it is. I'm just going to go forward and fulfill his plan for me and be cheerful and let the Lord use me however he wants to until he takes us to heaven, and then we'll start all over with a new realm of service and better places under better conditions. I love that. All right, let's talk about uh, Jordan River Rule number 10. Uh, Not that we've gone through all of them, because we certainly haven't. We've just touched on a number of them. I want to just let everyone know you're going to want a copy of this book, because you're going to refer to it often. It's called The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward by Robert J. Morgan. And if you go to robertjmorgan.com, you can see all the books that he's written. I personally own many of them, and I like them all. Let's talk about number 10, Encircle Obstacles with Biblical Faith and Shout the Victory. I picked up on this from a lady named Joy Ritterhoff, who uh, she's in heaven now, but she started an organization called Gospel Recordings, and she had many challenges, but she would tell her staff, we've got to follow the Jericho plan. And that is we just encircle those problems and those obstacles with prayer and trust God and keep marching around them. And so based upon her thoughts about that, uh, in my chapter, I say you have to circle your obstacles with power, that is, with the presence of God. You have to circle them with perseverance. You have to keep on going. Uh, Even, uh, you know, the Israelites didn't stop. They kept going. You have to circle them with the promises of God. You have to circle them with um, his provisions. I was just reading these, and suddenly my book fell closed on the floor, so I'm extemporizing, Bill. (laughs) But but most of all, we have to encircle them with praise. And the last thing the Israelites did was to shout the victory. And so we go around these problems with perseverance and prayer and with the presence of the Lord— Uh, And then when we see the walls beginning to crumble, we just shout the victory and trust him, whatever the outcome is, that it's going to be the best outcome possible for our good in any given situation. So we just sometimes, and I'm not a big shouter, but sometimes I'll say in an elevated voice, well, praise the Lord. And, you know, even saying that, you know, Bill, that very often when I wake up in the morning, I'll say out loud, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Something about that even helps me get started in the day and helps me get out of bed. So sometimes we just need to shout a little bit. Yeah, that doesn't, that's not a really good idea. Uh, Robert, I just had a couple of uh, messages come in from people who are enjoying this time with you right now. And somebody said, uh, Robert Morgan is so humble. What a great guest to have speak. Another uh, another one said, Robert Morgan is a treasure. I'm blessed whenever you have him on. Thank you. Well, it's a treasure for me whenever I'm able to talk with you, Bill. You know, you've done some wonderful things for the Lord. Your work has been far-reaching, and uh, and you're always engaging. And I think it's a blessing for people to to be ministered to you every single day, you know, as you as you reach out over the airwaves and over the Internet like this. So it's a joy to be with you, and it's— uh, you know, all we can do is say a word for the Lord and trust Him to use it. None of us are very much on our own, but but when when He is touching our lives, then they've got to be a blessing to somebody. 
and we just trust that that's true and go on with cheerfulness. Mm-hmm. I've always been happy to be praying for you. Every time you come on the show, I always pray for you and your family. And as you are still mourning the loss of Katrina, I know that you are um, sad at times and also joyful of where she is in the presence of the Lord. And I also know that you've got work to do. And if Katrina could say anything right now, it's Robert, get back to work. Well, that sounds just <laughs> like her. Um, she would uh, she would certainly say that. Uh, I think, uh, Bill, the most difficult times are the evenings yeah. um, because, um, you know, I would work hard all day and Katrina would, you know, be, be at her desk or doing whatever she was doing during the day as best she could. And then, then at a certain time, I'd wheel her into the kitchen and we would fix uh so I would fix supper and yeah. and uh and she was mostly able to to eat on her own and then would watch TV and I'd get her in bed and and uh I do pretty well during the day but I still in the evenings I get it I have to yeah I have to keep going back and and say lord you're here yeah well, um every, yeah so that that's true every one of my listeners would invite you over for barbecue just so you know <laughs> <laughs> a, I would love it have a great rest of the day Robert thank you, you bye bye Robert Morgan's been my guest. His book is The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. Guess what? Coming up next, the Sunburn Series continues. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are going to be talking to John Marriott. He's written a book called The Anatomy of Deconversion. You know people that have done that? It's kind of tragic, actually. But we're going to talk about that with John Marriott. That's all coming up next. Be back in just a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.